Please rise for our gospel reading from Luke chapter 21. As some were talking about the temple, how it was decorated with beautiful stones and offerings, Jesus said, These things that you see here, the days will come when there will not be one stone left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will these things happen, and what is the sign that these things are about to happen? He said, Watch out so that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. Whenever you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be terrified, for these things must happen first, but the end will not be right then. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and plagues in various places. There will be horrifying sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, handing you over to synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my namesake. It will turn out to be your opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand how to defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. They will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all people for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By patient endurance, you will gain your lives. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are inside the city get out. Let those who are in the country not enter the city. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that has been written. How terrible it will be for those who are pregnant and nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and will be taken captive to all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars and on the earth nations will be in anguish, in perplexity, at the roaring of the sea and the surging waves, people fainting from fear and expectation of the things coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to happen, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is near." O oh Lord, have mercy on us. Our gospel reading today is Jesus' prophecy about the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple. Jesus said these things about 40 years before that actually took place. And this prophecy is also, at the same time, about the end times and the last day, which has not happened yet, but sometime will. At the end of our reading, Jesus says that he will come with great power and glory. What I would like to focus on today, then, is how we should prepare for the end times. 
according to what Jesus says in our reading. However, before we speak more positively about how we should be, it is helpful, I think, to point out two very common false beliefs about the end times. First of all, there are many Christians who do not believe that there will be any end times at all, or at least they never wish to talk about them. We confess in our creeds that Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. You heard Jesus say that there will be signs and wonders in the sky and tribulations upon the earth. Peter says in his second epistle that the very elements will melt as they burn. For many people, these kinds of things are just too unusual. We want life to go on like it always has. It's unsettling to think that the existence of the universe could be so devastatingly altered. Plus, probably in the back of our mind, we think that it's just mythical make-believe anyway. You know those ancient people. They weren't too smart. If they knew what we know, they wouldn't have made such wild and improbable prophecies. This false belief is common among us Lutherans. We are pretty staid and steady people. We don't like to get too worked up about anything, and in general, that's a positive thing. The teaching in the Bible, though, is clear. If it's all right to disbelieve in the wrath of God at the end of days, then why should we believe anything in the scriptures that we don't already like? The other false belief seems like it is almost the opposite. Instead of despising the end times, never talking of them, there is an obsession with end times things. And this is understandable. The signs and wonders are stupendous that are spoken about if you are willing to take them seriously. And it can be thrilling to know things that others don't know. I remember as a kid sometimes seeing on TV a man named Jack Van Imp and his wife Rexella they would have a stack of newspapers on their TV set, and they would go from one to the next, citing Bible passage after Bible passage. Well, this news story is the fulfillment of this Bible study, and this news story is the fulfillment of this Bible, Bible passage. And the takeaway was always the same. The end is near, and there's going to be a widespread collapse. And there was always a kind of glee in the prospect of widespread collapse. The TV prophet was quite happy to tell you about it, and you can be happy too if you believe him, because then you can prepare accordingly. 
And how do you prepare accordingly? Well, make sure that you have food and water in the basement. Maybe these days you need to make sure that you've got some cryptocurrency. Be one of the smart ones so that you can ride out the end of days in style. You can be comfortably sitting in your bunker, armed to the teeth. Although these folks seem to be highly believing because they only want to talk about these conspiracies and prophecies, they too are unbelieving and unprepared. How may anyone escape the wrath of God that is about to be revealed? The true and infallible preparations are being baptized feeding one's faith with the word of God, receiving the Lord's Supper, praying, praising, and giving thanks. Repentant faith in Jesus, who has turned away God's wrath, is the only way to make it through any terrors or difficulties. As for what we should eat and drink or what we should wear, Jesus tells us that we should not worry about these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. These two false beliefs look like they are practically opposites. Some Christians never think or speak of the end times, and other Christians never stop thinking or talking about the end times. Neither approach avails anything. Baptism is our spiritual ark. Faith in Christ is the only preparation. Flesh and blood cannot see the kingdom of God, but only a new creation. And how do you become a new creation? You must be born again by the water and the spirit. As we now turn to Jesus' words in our gospel reading, I would argue that this is what Jesus is saying as well. He wants us to guard our faith. He forthrightly says that terrors and convulsions are coming. How we are to be prepared, however, has to do with our faith and the confession of our faith. So that is what we will turn to now. Jesus' talk is begun by the disciples commenting on how massive and impressive the temple is. And the temple truly was a sight to behold. If anything seemed permanent, it was this temple. But Jesus said one stone would not be allowed to, be rem to remain sitting upon another. Then the disciples asked Jesus to tell them, more about that. And I'd like you to pay attention to how Jesus does not tell them to form militias or shadow governments. He doesn't tell them to make any kind of physical preparations. The wrath of God is coming. And there isn't anything anybody can do to stop that. Instead, Jesus wants to guard their faith. Jesus said, watch out so that you are not deceived. That's the big thing. Watch out 
so that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. Whenever you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be terrified, for these things must happen first, but the end will not be right then. As you know, there are many people who rise up all the time, saying that they've got their finger on just what is going on. They know the secrets. They know what's going to happen. Follow them, because the end is near. And their exciting messages of doom and deliverance through prudent preparations stir up those who believe in them so that they gain their cliques and cadres of people in the know. Jesus says to beware people like that. Why? Because they deceive. They're worthless, therefore. You need to know the truth. You already have all that you need in the true Jesus. You don't need some guru to read the tea leaves for you or the newspapers for you. Gurus might tell you all kinds of secret and exciting things. But their wisdom is nothing compared to the wisdom even of our humble little catechism. If you want to know how you are to live, what you are to do, consult the Ten Commandments. And you won't find anything about cryptocurrency or bunkers in there. And if you want to know what you are to believe, consult the creed. These truly make you wise for salvation. Let us turn again to Jesus' words, and he goes on for quite some time. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and diseases in various places. There will be horrifying sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you, and will persecute you, handing you over to synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my namesake. It will turn out to be your opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand how to defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. They will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all people for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By patient endurance, you will gain your lives. Jesus lays out frightening things. Wars, earthquakes, famines, and diseases. Perhaps the most frightening things, though, are the personal betrayals and tests of one's confession of faith. It's like it was with Peter on the night when Jesus was betrayed. They asked him, are you one of them? Are you one of Jesus' disciples? Are you an enemy of enlightened progress or an enemy of the state? But again, notice where Jesus directs us, not to swords or guns, we are to maintain our faith in him. 
If we have faith in him, then we can even rest assured that we will say what he would have us say before those who persecute us. The one thing that Jesus tells us we should make up our mind about beforehand is that we're not going to defend ourselves. You can see, therefore, that the kingdom of God is not the product of human cunning or logic or political manipulations. The kingdom of God is the testimony of Jesus, the one who has overcome this world. And if you have him, then not even one hair of your head will perish. Even if you are put to death for our faith, not one hair of your head will perish. By patient endurance in your faith, you will be saved. One outward action that Jesus does recommend is fleeing from Jerusalem. He told his disciples that when they see the armies coming upon Jerusalem, they should get out. And 40 years later, it appears that the Christians remembered Jesus' prophecy. They fled from Jerusalem before it was surrounded and hemmed in on every side. And so also we Christians may flee from danger. You see this in the book of Acts, when Jerusalem was thrown into an uproar after the stoning of St. Stephen, the Christians fled to other lands and cities, and this was, in fact, how the gospel came to the Gentiles. The Christians who fled Jerusalem preached to their Gentile neighbors, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were converted to faith in Christ. You also see in Acts that St. Paul did not purposely hand himself over to those who are wanting to put him to death. Once he escaped under cover of night, being lowered down from the city wall in a basket. When he was arraigned in Jerusalem, he appealed to Caesar, which was his right as a Roman citizen. So we do not need to go looking for trouble and martyrdom. However, if we are called upon to make the good confession, then we must do so, regardless of the consequences. I can give you a somewhat contemporary example. Years ago, a militant Islamic group called ISIS rose to power in the Middle East. They conquered portions of Syria and Iraq, and there are some towns in that area that have Christians in them. And when ISIS would come to a town, they would round up the people and ask them if they were Christians. And if they said that they were, their heads would be chopped off. They would do that even with Christian children. Now, if you were one of those Christians, you would need to continue to confess Christ, come what may. If you confessed Christ and your head was chopped off, ultimately not even a hair of your head would be harmed, for you will live again. It is not optional for us to confess Christ. If we deny him, we will be denied, as Scripture says. However, on the other hand, if you know that ISIS is heading toward your village, you do not need to stay there. You do not need to hand your children over to be slaughtered. 
You should try to go where you will be safe. However, if you do end up before the executioner for your Christian faith, or if you should be fired from your job for your Christian faith, or some other persecution comes upon you, then you should know that this is God's will. He will keep you safe, even if your head gets chopped off. It is your opportunity to testify to this hope that we have within us. So, to sum up, the only true way to be prepared for the end times is always internal. Being prepared for the end times is a matter of repentance and faith. If we fear God's wrath for our sins and believe in Jesus Christ, who has saved us from our sins, then we are in good stead. With such a faith, we are in good stead, even if the earth should give way and the mountains go crashing into the sea. Jesus has reconciled you to God. All things, then, must turn out for the best for those who trust in him. So when you see Jesus coming on the clouds with power and great glory, do not curl up into a ball or put your tail between your legs. Straighten up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. The peace of God that transcends all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.